0: Hello and welcome to The Long Short, a new podcast brought to you by AIMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, focusing on the very latest insights on hedge funds and private credit. My name is Drew Nickel. AIMA is the global representative for the alternative investment industry, with around 2,000 corporate members spread across 60 countries. Of these, our fund manager members account for approximately $2.5 trillion in hedge fund and private credit assets. Each weekly episode of The Long Short will examine topical areas of interest from across the alternative investment universe with news, views and analysis delivered by Amos Global Team, as well as a host of industry experts. So whether you are a hedge fund or private credit industry veteran, a student of the industry, or just someone interested in learning more about hedge funds and private credit, this podcast will be your ideal companion to help navigate you through the long and short of this fascinating industry. Social justice movements continue to dominate the news, and the scrutiny around these issues has trickled down into the professional world. This has led to a rapid expansion
1: of diversity, equity and inclusion programs. No longer is this just a HR buzzword, but rather it's arguably the single most important movement today. And
0: we can play our part. We can make a real difference. And one person who is making a difference across the alternative investment industry is Robin Brew. COO and General Counsel of Man Group, as well as chairing AIMA's Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Steering Group, and who I had the pleasure of speaking to on International Women's Day last week. This is
1: a not-to-be-missed conversation. Many thanks to Robin for her time. Let's roll the tape
0: fittingly, we are recording today's episode on International Women's Day, which makes today's episode all the more special because today's guest is one of the most consistent advocates for improving diversity across the alternative investment industry. Robin Brew is COO and General Counsel of Man Group, as well as chairing AIMA's Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Steering Committee and a host of other industry groups focused on improving diversity. Robin, welcome to Longshore. Thank you for having me. So as I mentioned you are chair of Amer's uh, DE&I steering group as well as as many others. You mentioned it uh, before we started recording how busy you were, and uh, I think I have some idea of why that is looking at uh, looking at your CV. <laughs> but could you tell us a little bit about why this subject motivates you so much, what your ambitions and aspirations are for the industry?
2: For sure. Um listen the financial services industry um has not let us say traditionally been famous uh, for its focus on diversity and equity and inclusion but that is changing? Is it changing at the rate I'd like it to? Perhaps not, but I've always been quite impatient. You know, Ama's role in this is is incredibly important in helping the broader industry take note. And we set up the DE&I Steering Committee back in 2018. Um, and, And we have tried through that process to provide everybody across the alternative space with Guidance and thought pieces and how to's, because this is an area where we shouldn't be competing. This is an area where the work we all do makes our space a better space to be in, where we can all attract and retain the best talents, where we can Look to be the most entrepreneurial and creative as the questions and the complexities that we're all trying to navigate at the moment couldn't be more i think important and more impactful across the world. so why is it important to me because I want the best people I want to retain the best people, and not just within my own firm but across the street um, and we are not doing a good enough job in doing that so that's that's kind of the content of where I'm I start this conversation today
0: that is an admirable mission statement and, and as I mentioned your actual day job is with man group which is a full-time gig in itself could you give us a sense of the journey that that man group has been on when it comes to improving diversity and when I say that I mean that in reference to recruitment and you mentioned retention there and promotion and just the real tangibles in some sense.
2: Let's be clear. I don't think there's one, you know, one answer to these, these issues, but I'll tell you about Man. So in 2017, we launched something called our Paving the Way campaign. That was a campaign designed to widen the pipeline coming into our industry and our firm what does that look like it means that we go out to schools and universities and we talk to people about financial services broadly and asset management broadly and we spread the word that even though you may never have heard of it that or or perhaps you have a view of this industry being something that is only about self-interest that's not the case and actually there is a career path that is open to everybody Um, In addition to that, we have grassroots employee networks. And and the reason I emphasize the grassroots piece here is because There is nothing more passionate than people who are engaged in this and want to make a difference. When you look at civil rights movements, they came because people said, enough, we want to change something. It wasn't the ruling parties or the ruling institutions at that point that changed something. It was the people. And that's the same in every one of our organizations. Our people care. So we have networks and we have Workstreams. The networks we have are Pride at Man, which is about the LGBTQ plus community, Black Employees at Man, our Beam Network, Women at Man, it speaks for itself on our families network. But we also have work streams that also go across all communities and all spaces and ba- basically they're honed around things like next generation. What is it like to start in our industry? What is it like to start in our firm? How do we support one another? Social mobility. What is it to, to come to work and come from a different economic background than you think those people have experienced around you, um, have had access to? Neurodiversity and of course, disability in this space. So So we have work streams, we have networks. We have also a wide range of initiatives where we bring people into our organization because of that can talk around the intersectionality of these issues. So, for example, we had Nicola Adams come and speak to us, the Olympic champion, double gold champion, I think. And, you know, who can talk to Pride, who can talk to Wham, who can talk to Beam and who can talk to Strictly? And who doesn't want that? We've had Nicholas Hamilton, um, who's, again, been involved around disability and Beam and motor racing. And, And what we try to do here is expand the application and the interest across our organization in these issues, that it goes beyond just talking to the same people, that we try to talk to people who might not have had access or want to talk about this stuff in in their ordinary everyday life. We are committed, in other words, to providing something for everyone because it's about all of us getting on board with this and it's about all of us making a difference and making change. And That's what's replicated across AMA as well, as we think about organizations and the diversity projects and the advisory board works that we do and the thought pieces that are out there. We want to add the richness, I think, of this this subject matter and actually the output of it to the wider organizations that we work alongside, as well as the work we do within Man Group. We take the lessons we learn and we share them, the things that have worked for us. And the things that have perhaps not had as much impact as we'd hoped, that's the balance of the learning curve of this type of space, I think, true. I love so
0: much about what you're saying there, but but what's really struck out stuck out to me there is that we talk about diversity, but but clearly when you list off all the various angles that you're approaching that concept, you're not uh, settling or limiting yourself to just having you know one particular area of uh you know what might be considered a, a underrepresented uh, group within financial services and uh i think so often some some companies might do one thing and then they say right well that's that ticks off then we've done the whole de and i box with this one charitable enterprise or something and 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 really appreciating the full breadth of, of what it means I, th- I think is a really important part of this conversation Another important part of this conversation uh, is that ultimately man group is still a business, you know, despite all the 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 charitable things you do do as well. And there is an investor component to this. And obviously, this comes under the very broad umbrella of ESG and uh, the S often uh, gets gets captures the DE and I point in that. And again, we hear all the time from various angles, how ESG is becoming a key criteria for investors uh, specifically public pension funds but not limited to those how is that uh, how is that playing into the work that mangroup is doing when you speak to investors how interested are they are they becoming more sophisticated in their opinions and is this something that's i assume changing all the time
2: it's a great question I, and y- you know we can talk about i can talk to you about the many conversations we now have that we just didn't five years ago you know put a marker in the line say five years ago a massive change in how diversity and equity inclusion is part of the conversation it's getting new um, appreciation as well through the ESG lens as you talk about that social impact piece almost all of our RFPs today include questions about diversity equity and inclusion at Man Group and that just simply wasn't the case I'd say as recently as three years ago um on diversity equity inclusion there are a few common themes we're seeing client questionnaires there's sort of generally focus on data stats you know that what what are you what's the data you capture what do they look like um interesting knowing and more about our internal initiatives, as we just discussed, but also what are the external initiatives we're involved in? And we're involved in a number, and whether that's things like talk about black or whether it's involved in, um, you, you know, the commitments on um, gender equality or maybe it's the, the work we do in you know, the universities we're connected to or the King's Math School or whatever it might be. They want to know about those things. and They want to understand them for two reasons, I'd say. One, because they really want to understand what type of firm they're trying to work with. But also for their own edification, there's an awful lot of sharing of information with clients about how they could approach impact and social change. Um, I, I think the other piece that they're they're looking at uh, is is around. how we look to set KPIs, how we look to link diversity into our success. And of course, they look at gender balance uh, in in, on boardrooms and in senior management. So so those are the types of focus areas. Um, When I think about diversity of workforce and it is a data issue, you know, how quickly can something change? how much is there in in the mix that makes us smarter and better? How do we articulate that Um, and the authenticity of people's approaches? You know, as I talk to allocators, they want to know that this is real. So back to your earlier point, Drew, about the sort of the tick box exercise here. I support this charity. Isn't it fantastic? I just don't think that's going to cut the mustard. It shouldn't cut the mustard. and, And I don't think it does. I think this is about what you are actually doing that's going to bring about change. And that those levels of questions are increasing and the sophistication of those questions are increasing. Quite frankly, I welcome it and I applaud it, too.
3: AIMA is pleased to announce the inaugural Cybertech Forum 2022, a half-day virtual event which will be taking place on Wednesday the 20th of April. Join us to gain insights into all cyber and technology related developments impacting the alternative management industry and critical themes in cyber risk and resilience. The half-day event will showcase an array of premium content. Topics will include the cyber and operational resilience regulatory landscape, technology due diligence, and new and emerging technologies up for discussion, as well as an opportunity for delegates to ask questions of the speakers. Register now to gain a greater insight into how technological advances are shaping the alternative investment industry, both today and in the coming years. To learn more, visit aima.org and navigate to the events pages. And you, you
0: mentioned data there, and, and I think it's a key part of the issue that ESG or, or the it's a key uh, phase in the evolution of ESG in our industry of, of having that data come through, it, not just because we simply weren't making, we weren't, weren't creating data sets around these issues in the past, and this goes across the EDS and the G. And so that is something that is a, an evolving and an ongoing issue for many firms in many ways. And and as you say, it it is really important to be able to hold yourself to account and have those KPIs, but at the same time, not sort of making yourself a hostage to fortune in the sense. And um, we did some work last year around this, and we spoke to several recruiters who were describing how they were told, um, you know, this is our strategy for improving diversity. Please, can you bring us X, Y, Z candidates? We really want to broaden our, our search. And they were coming back and saying, you know or we, we we're struggling or we can't and and they were saying well we have this standard we must keep and so it was about creating reasonable uh, milestones for change that are not lax and you're not letting yourself off the hook as a firm but at the same time not setting something that will inevitably come back to bite you so in terms of how man group is approaching this i know you guys love data more than most <laughs> Yes, so how, we do. <laughs> so, how are you guys approaching this? Could you give us just a little flavour of, you know, where you do see some hard lines that can be set?
2: Yes, uh, I, I think you're uh, it, Drew, I think you're spot on. I think that data it, it keeps and, and and metrics enables all of us to keep uh, to hold ourselves accountable on progress. I think it's a progress piece uh, that that is important. It's journey that we're on and absolutes are important you know it's not that you can set some unattainable goal and say yeah but we are trying to move a little bit towards it I think you've got to try and push for the reality of your metrics to say this is what we are aiming to and if we don't achieve our targets I think we have to understand why we haven't achieved targets so I think there is a discussion there as you know man group have signed the women in Finance charter setting a target for the number of women in senior management. It was um, 20, 25% in 2020, which we reached. It's 27.5% by the end of 2022, and it's 30% by the end of 2024. We're at 26% right now. You see, we do know our data. Um, the types of goals that you know, these types of goals show not just the outside world, they, they show the inside world, our employees, that we're committed to change. Um, and When you think about that, if you add that commitment into initiatives and programs, we can create a workplace where our diverse staff can see the journey for themselves, that we're transparent about the journey, that we're transparent about the the hurdles, Um, we're transparent about um, why it is we can succeed in some areas more easily than others. Those metrics and goals are indicative of a journey and it means we have to talk about it. We talk about it in the in in a qualitative sense, but we talk about it in a quantitative sense. And that as asset managers is our bread and butter. We talk about numbers all day long. We shouldn't avoid numbers here. Um, We just have to be realistic. But we have to push ourselves. I often say we as asset managers, pride ourselves on solving really difficult questions and queries and investment solutions for our clients. That's what we are here to do. And we have really, really smart and clever driven people doing that. And if we can achieve answers and solutions for our clients in the investment world, this is another set of problems that we can achieve somehow solutions for. I cannot believe that with the amount of quality individuals we have in financial services and in asset management, we can't make an impact here. And I think we do at Man, and I think we should as a broader industry group.
0: I quite like that way of thinking about it, actually, because I quite like just just viewing it as as just another problem, not in the sense of uh, belittling it, but just in the sense of saying that this is just another challenge to overcome much like many that have already been overcome in 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 various other spheres so to say that that makes (laughs) it seem a lot more achievable
2: (laughs) yeah well I, i i think it is achievable it's it's no less complex and it's no less difficult but it has to be something we solve because it is for the best of our industry and it's for the best of our firms We cannot possibly think that the smartest people come from a singular demographic. That's insane. Um, and, And so if you think that our firms need to be populated with the brightest and the best, the most passionate, the most entrepreneurial, the most creative to navigate the times which we are staring down right now, how can we possibly do that without having the opportunity to hire from, retain, grow, talent from every part and every walk of life
0: now just before we move off data i just want to approach this problem from a slightly different angle and that's uh, when it comes to the investment decisions that man is making or just more broadly around how uh, hedge funds or other investors might uh, go about their due diligence when it comes to, to DE and IESG there is obviously going to be some discrepancy when it comes to public and private markets, but is that challenge really that stark? Is it, again, is it not just, is it very surmountable, but in a different way? Is Should we be holding private markets to different standards than public markets? I, it seems not really.
2: I don't think so. I think that those standards should be the same. The differences you've got in our world, of course, is between publicly listed firms like Mangroup or those that are privately held. Those that privately held aren't just in private markets. They're in liquid markets, too. I think this is a fundamental issue about quality and talent and i have never met anybody in in the many thousands of years it feels like i've been doing this <laughs> this is why this is good that it's recorded and not videoed it seems to me anyway um that 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 doesn't want brightest and best um so this is a real challenge for all of us to get this right i i think the, the it is important that we understand as an industry that there are many other options for people to, to to put their resource against, right? That if you think about it just in the next generations coming out of our very finest and best universities, um, that they have a choice of who they go work for is, is, is a very simple way of thinking about it. I want us to be an equal part of their thought consideration. Um, I want them to think that they can succeed, um, that they can see role models, that they can see value um, in in committing their themselves to our space. And I think we lost, some of that narrative. I think we lost the fact that we can explain that financial security for millions and millions of people across the world is an incredibly important goal. It's a very valuable thing that we do is take that responsibility seriously and deliver back to investors alpha. That is what we come to work to do every day. As much as we might talk about these huge numbers um, of assets under management or whatever it may be. Ultimately, we are here every single day to make sure that we return value to the pension holders who were teachers for all of their careers or metal workers or ambulance drivers. And our responsibility is to make sure that they have a, a, a secure retirement or a secure sort of savings that they can call on that's really important in a world which is unsure and where different countries have different protections and different welfares so i don't think that changes i don't think it changes if you're trying to achieve that in private markets or you're trying to achieve that in public markets i think that responsibility is something that we have for all of us and we need to make sure we have the very best people Working alongside us to de- deliver that alpha back to ultimately our end clients.
0: Again, I, I like what you're saying here. In 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 some ways, making it painfully simple. And the question is, do you want the best? And if you want the best, then progress needs to be made, and and doors need to be opened, and programs need to be set up. And it 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 does seem to seem like a a, a very large and complicated issue. In some sense but it can also be distilled down to that very simple question and and the people you're asking that question to is ultimately management figures and and senior people that that may have succeeded uh in the in the current or the the previous status quo as it were and i mentioned at the the top of the episode all the various institutions and and working groups and committees that that you you somehow find time for but there is a big part of this around the role of senior leadership and and the and the role that they play in uh, I guess it's sort of commonly described as you know making sure to sort of leave the ladder down and and <laughs> and, uh, and 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 that that really is such a crucial part of that conversation. So so how do you think about that in terms of the role of senior leadership and how important it is to have that to have these conversations happening. Uh, not just with the, you know the newer generations that might be more uh, more naturally open to these questions than maybe older generations.
2: It is it, it is critical, right? Senior leadership, the tone from that top piece that we all talk about, it, it matters. It matters, and senior leaders need to shout about it. They need to drive this home. They need to bring themselves into this debate and a lot of those senior leaders, not all, but a lot of those senior leaders are male and a lot of them are white in our world in the West. And so they are here trying to transform something um, and they need to believe it. It needs to be authentic. The minute there isn't a sense of authenticity in, in this support, it is a chink and it's it's not an acceptable one. And um, it also isn't something that you could say once and say, I've done it. You've got to keep going. It's important that this is a common conversation. It's not always easy. It's not always uh, the most comfortable of conversation. It can feel like it's a bit endless sometimes. But actually, constant conversation and constant content is is vital to success. Um, It is important that senior leaders come together across the industry, that this isn't a competition because this is about making our space, asset management, better, financial services, better. We need to pull together to do that. It needs to be deliberate. You need to have it in the forefront of your mind at recruitment and retention and succession planning. It needs to be deliberate in that you recognize that some of the issues we struggle with on pipeline, it, it's no good if you just go to a university and talk to somebody who's about to graduate. You've got to get to them when they're 16. You've got to get to schools, as we do in our uh, Speakers for Schools program, where these these young these young people, 14 year olds, don't know who we are don't want to even consider us we have to do that and that comes from the c-suites and the senior leadership who can talk about what it is to be in this space and to talk about how those people could succeed and despite the lack of obvious role models despite the lack of senior representation that looks and is of people of color or of disability or who are women or who are openly um, in, uh, identifying the LGBTQ space, that that isn't the barrier because the world is changing. And those voices ring out and ring strongly and ring true from senior leaders. And it's what helps cascade through your organisation. And it, it, it's what sets the standards about culturally what your organisation is about. And yes, it's about diversity and inclusion, but it's about equity. And it's about ensuring that we are sponsoring and driving, so that there is equal opportunity, equity, in this fight for um, talent and in the progress that people can have in their careers in this space. I hope that answered that question. <laughs>
0: very, very well. So, so the other aspect to this you know it's some people might say to play devil's advocate for a moment would say that uh someone in in your position or someone at man group as you mentioned a very large listed company they are able to allocate a certain amount of resources a certain amount of time uh and 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 maybe get into those rooms and be on those boards by virtue of the size of man but a huge amount of the alternative investment industry or even the wider economy more broadly are are small companies, SMEs. You know, many hedge funds are just a handful of people. Many family run businesses may want to uh, do more and may appreciate that something needs to be done, but might not know how just due to the limitations that every waking moment is there. You know, just, just managing their business, which, you know, might be one person, might be 10. What's your take on that? And, and th- there must be ways that, that everybody can
2: contribute. It's a great question, Drew, because it's part of why we set up the the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Steering Committee at AIMA was exactly because larger firms, firms like Man Group, have resource and have the ability to think about these things perhaps and put policies, processes, initiatives in place and that we can um, afford to fail on some of those initiatives in some ways (laughs) and then then try some more. We wanted to be able to provide smaller asset managers, alternative managers with our lessons learned. It's why we put out the practical steps. What can you actually do for diversity and inclusion? It's why we put out the work around allyship. I think this is incredibly important in this space and why we're continuing to work on what what we can do to kind of cheat in some ways, learn from mistakes, learn from initiatives, take what you can out of this and make it work for you. To suggest that smaller firms can't make a difference, I think is fundamentally wrong. Everybody can make a difference. Every single person who goes to work can make a difference in being an ally or being willing to speak up and be heard. Cultures of small firms are incredibly important, no less important than a culture of a big firm. And perhaps a small firm, you have a greater ability to influence your culture and to influence um, your your staff and the people who work around you. Voices are important here. It, It can't be left to big firms somehow to be the only people who are speaking about this. These actions do speak louder than words. It's as simple as that. If as a senior leader or as the single owner of a small alternative hedge fund, you have the ability to say to people, this matters to me. Representation matters to me. Equity matters to me. I can tell you that that is an incredibly powerful platform from which somebody can speak from. And actually, that small firm... You're dynamic, you have the ability to change things, do things, move things quicker sometimes than big verbs. Take advantage of that, and I think that's a you'd be remi- you'd you'd be amazed what you can achieve.
0: Well, I think I just about have time for one more question from you. So you've been very generous yeah. so far, but inevitably I'm going to ask you to, to look ahead a little bit on to where next really. You, you know, you've mentioned some. Uh, very real targets that are out there and being worked towards every day, but in terms of the the broader conversation and the narrative and how the industry as a whole is sort of, you know, moving the, the battleship is turning if you'll forgive the cliche. <laughs> but you know, where do you see this going in the coming months and years? Is there any uh, is there any key uh, signposts that you're looking out for or milestones you're you're excited to reach?
2: how's it going to change um well i think the conversation will materially evolve because of the intersection of esg and de and i um many asset managers view these as separate efforts at the moment but i think there is significant crossover you touched on it drew earlier your social impact that s you know a lot of the initiatives around diversity equity and inclusion can be caught in that in that that s bit as it were um We believe that culture, belief, commitment are key in positively impacting both of these initiatives, right? That if you if let let me take let me go off a little bit as a tangent, but bear with. If you take the concept of intergenerational equity, um, let me be clear about what I mean by that. If you believe that we as a human race have a responsibility to pass on this world, in the same, if not a better place than we inherited it, intergenerational equity. We have a journey as we look at climate change and we have a journey as we look at the world to balance returns today with that long term approach of the benefit for tomorrow's savers and pensioners. If we're going to achieve that, we've got to work rather tirelessly, some might say, to improve both diversity, equity and inclusion and our offerings around ES&G, the RI side of our lives. Each is going to contribute and each is going to enhance our success as both an industry and as a firm. Delivering solutions for our clients whilst delivering solutions for the world is our new world. That's what nothing, no no less or no smaller a challenge I put out there today is that we as an industry have a role to play and a pivotal role to play in navigating some of the most tricky issues that we have and, and that we face as a world. And the reality is that diversity and equity inclusion are part of solving those things. You know, in ESG, when you think about those, you know, the, the, the poorest parts of our community are disproportionately impacted by climate change, as an example. And those parts of our community can be disproportionately um, impacted by our transition from fossil fuels into renewables, for example. You can't escape the intersection of these two concepts, and we shouldn't. But we have a role to play. And it's an incredibly important role to play, and it is front and centre in most people's minds. And um, as we as a world tackle climate change and we tackle um, the issues we face with social inequity in the world. So what do I see? I see this as coming into sharper and sharper focus. And I think it is our responsibility to be part of finding the solutions to help the world get through this. Sli- slightly big way of ending this, I'm guessing, true, but nevertheless, something I believe very, very strongly.
0: Well, that is, I think, the perfect closing remarks. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you and I are on the same page and, and our listeners, I'm sure, will agree that, Although we have spent some of this conversation uh, outlining the scale of, of the, the challenge ahead, I think this has also been incredibly uplifting in that a lot of progress is being made and a lot of very uh, focused and motivated and, and bright people are on the task. Uh, so I think all that's left for me to do is thank you so much for joining us today on The Long Short. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back again soon.
2: Thanks, Drew. Really appreciated it.
0: So Tom, of course you can't solve injustice and inequality during a single 30-minute podcast or one-off training session, can you?
1: No, not at all, Drew. It takes a long-term commitment to create a truly diverse, equitable and inclusive environment. And Ama is proud to work with our industry to create a more meritocratic environment. To quote Robin Grew's comments, in the forward that she wrote for our alternatives paper. The people who come to work every day in the industry are the essential element in the success of DE&I. It has to be embedded in the culture of our industry at every level from the most junior person in the firm to the executive's corner office. And to learn more about how the industry is doing its part to be more diverse, equitable, and inclusive, please go to our website at www.aima.org then go to Education on the home page menu and scroll down to Diversity and Inclusion. And there you will see a host of AIMA DI and i publications, including the Alternatives paper, the first of our de and i guidance published in 2019, which lists no fewer than 45 practical recommendations to enhance de and i across the hedge fund and alternatives workplace. Further, this paper draws an AIMA member's own perspective to explain why D&I matters and to identify the advantages of diverse and inclusive teams. It highlights a range of career opportunities at hedge fund firms for curious and ambitious people of all backgrounds and tells the stories of prominent members of the industry who took less traditional routes to success.
0: We followed up on this work in the summer of 2021 with a guide on allyship with the appropriately worded title, How to be an ally. This guidance provides examples on how members of the alternative investment industry can support their colleagues, breaking allyship down into four pillars, listening, supporting, educating, and persisting.
1: And I mentioned also regarding our due diligence work, recognising the importance of DE&I, aim a team to with all-born partners to produce a diversity and
0: inclusion due diligence questionnaire. So this, of course, will then not be the only podcast that we record discussing DE&I, And we make no apology for returning to this topic. We will both showcase and challenge the industry as it looks to move the dial positively on this critical subject. Thank you again for listening. And we look forward to speaking to you soon. Bye for now. The Long Short was brought to you by AMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative for the alternative investment industry. As always, you can get the latest episodes by subscribing to The Long Short on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, or by streaming episodes directly from our website, AMA.org. Thanks for listening.